0: This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree, but I'm also a volunteer with that Chapter 49 dealing with communications issues. And one of those responsibilities is producing in this particular podcast with our chapter president for Chapter 49, Duncan Giles. Welcome once again, Duncan.
1: Good afternoon, Larry. Good to be with
0: you. Yeah, it's always good uh, to be around and, and to uh, like like I, I'll quote you saying it's it's better to be here than not be here. So I'll so exactly it beats,
1: <laughs> it beats the alternative.
0: I, I have to start this with a story that's been going on for a number of weeks. For those who either didn't listen to every podcast or just uh, may have forgotten about it. Duncan uh, was having a conversation with a top management official, invited that official to come on our podcast. He was all for it. He'd heard the podcast, was anxious to come on, tried to get permission, took a few weeks to get the answer. The answer was, well, yes, but we would have to have the management of IRS would have to have uh, the uh, actual script and would have to have full approval over the script which if you've ever listened to this podcast, scripts are not something Duncan and I do. We're lucky to have talking points or even a a few words to talk about. (laughs) So uh, we thought that was hilarious. But then Duncan shares something with me today, and the management is planning something. Tell them what they're planning, Duncan.
1: There's going to be, and I'm sure everybody's going to be waiting for this one, a Work Life Corner podcast podcast. Put on by the Human Capital Organization, and I'm, um, I'm
0: sure they'll uh, have a full script for that one, right?
1: I, as, as my thought process was, I'm sure the script for this will be scintillating. <laughs> um, it'll be to uh. inform uh, the many benefits that your employees and family members of the many benefits of the Work Life Recognition and Leave Sharing Branch, what they offer.
0: Mm, I see.
1: Oh dear God!
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yes, I, I think I, I what I might use that for is to plug that in just as I'm going to sleep at night.
1: Uh, it's it's very worrisome, especially again if you have to have a script because, as we know, IRS in their normal way of doing things, whether it's the shots, videos, or their own podcasts or our training. Is very well scripted and more dry than somebody's skin in ten degree weather.
0: I must. I've written scripts for TV productions and and they're hard to pull off, as they are. And I know that uh, there are very the only uh, podcasts that are successfully scripted are these ones that are like uh, the old radio dramas. You know, some people put those on. And and some uh, do these 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 recreation of crimes or do this to true crime type of thing and they'll script that, and they can be interesting. But most podcasts exactly. are hey, let's just sit down and talk, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Basically, you have topics, you start talking about the topics, you go where the topics take you, and you have a conversation, and that's what makes podcasts interesting especially in one like ours where we're sharing information that we are pretty sure is useful to employees out there but we want to do it in a way that's not so dry that people will not be interested in it
0: yes our conversations take us places we never even imagined sometimes but with that in <laughs> mind let us take our conversation to an issue at hand and this has to do with the sbse division you know this virtual working environment, where, where people are working at home, has created uh, some good things and some bad things. Uh, some people enjoy working from their homes, not having to come into the office twice a pay period, so forth. But I think Duncan, what's been happening, and 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 you, you want, I'm going to have you talk about the SBSE division in particular. Uh, they are looking into what equipment people need because there are people are out there working. Uh, in the various parts of SBSE and they they need basic equipment to get the work done. Some of them have been lacking that. So tell us what's going on there.
1: Yeah, this is one of those things that NTU National, when they have these calls with the IRS, has really been pressing the business divisions for, specifically um LB and I, W and I, and SBSE on the needed equipment um you know because there's an awful lot of people who need printers scanners things of that nature and they're just not getting it um they were just advised this week earlier this week that sbse has asked for additional equipment along with software um and that request is with the deputy commissioner for uh, operational support to review and funding approval so at least there is some movement on getting some of the equipment that folks that are doing a virtual telework need. I mean, if you're teleworking all the time, you don't want to have to, you know, where are you going to print out? How are you going to do things of that nature? You need this equipment.
0: And yes, I, I was about to, the question I was about to ask you. Uh, be, for those who are not in this situation, what are examples? And and you're saying the biggest example would be printing equipment.
1: Yeah, I how ha- I I just can't even fathom. You know, we're supposed to be going to a, uh, you know, the IRS is going to be paperless. I, I think you and I will both be dust by the time that actually happens, but that's the goal that they have. But until then, they're going to need things where people are going to need to be able to print things at home, make sure that they've got connectivity, make sure that their laptops are in working order so they can do the jobs that they're supposed to be doing.
0: And it's interesting because uh, if you don't have that printing equipment at home uh, that meets the, the government standard, uh, the only other way you can get your printing done and your, ma- your mail out is to have uh, your support staff, like secretaries, uh, come into the office. And we'll talk more about that later. But that's uh, why should that have to happen? Why can't you do it in your own home? I, I think that's what uh, NTE was pushing right now. Exactly. Well, you know... Um, You've talked about something before. It's called MaxiFlex. it been in the contract for a long time, but it has uh, risen to more prominence uh, in this environment of the pandemic. Uh, we understand that there's actual training coming. Why do you think people need training, and what's this training all about, particularly in the SBSE division, about how to go about doing MaxiFlex?
1: Well, one of the issues that's come up, of course, there's always training with the IRS, as well there should be. And we all agree that the most effective and best training is face-to-face. It's difficult to pull off in most years and almost impossible this year. So, you know, we know that different divisions are going to be doing training, and SBSE, we've asked them, what about your folks who are on MaxiFlex schedules because they're balancing, you know, their family needs as well as their work? Because as you and I both know, and our listeners do, as I'm sure, when you're doing a week or so of training, your, cha- your schedule is changed to whatever that training week schedule is. Well, it's never happened during a pandemic before, and that's going to be very problematic. So we've been pressing uh, SBSE. Uh, at this point in particular, because they're going to have a large hit on this, what they can do to try and adjust that so people can get the training they need, but also make sure that they can take care of you know, what's happening at home. Does, can everybody be on the uh, computer at one time because of bandwidth in someone's home if you've got a spouse that's working from home and children that are doing remote learning? Um SBSE is going to look at this and they'll get back to NTEU.
0: Why why do you think this training is, is necessary?
1: I think it's it's the normal training. Um it's the training that they have every year because there are, you know, certain changes in law or that there are things coming up that we're going to be um, focusing on that we may need refreshers on. So employees definitely need to make sure that they have the knowledge to do their job but it's got to be effective training it's got to be training that works not only for the service but it's got to be able to be taken in from the employee in an effective way and if they're worried about you know what's going on at home or not able to jump on because their child has got a test and they've got to be doing you know taking up the bandwidth yeah, you know, there's there's gotta be some sort of understanding there and ways to work around that.
0: Yeah, for those who don't really know Maxi Flex or have never had reason to use it, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it basically means you get your forty hours in every week, but you could be working a little here, a little there. You could be working like at four AM, two AM, midnight. You just need to get your forty hours, and it gives you the flexibility to work at different times of the day. Does that pretty much sum it up, or is there? Yeah,
1: the hours aren't quite that hugely varied, but it, the the concept is exactly okay. that.
0: Well, it's not, uh,
1: different. Yeah. It's different than gliding. It's more. It's more open than uh, than gliding because gliding is where you come in at a certain time and leave at a certain time. And MaxiFlex gives you the availability to break up your day much more to make sure, as you said, to get your 40 hours in for a week, 80 hours in for a pay period. Okay,
0: very good. So it's a way of being more flexible, getting all your work in, just allowing you to take care of, it could be a variety of things, family responsibilities or whatever else may be, may be going on. Well, there, there's sometimes we have good news and sometimes we're not sure uh, whether the news is good for us here in, uh, in Indiana. But uh, you have been told that revenue officers and revenue agents are going to be hired by the service. That's the good news. The bad news, we have no idea if how many or if any will be coming to Indiana. Tell us what you know about that.
1: Yeah, we keep hearing the uh, the rumors here and there. Well, we know there's going to be hiring. They've said that there's going to be hiring. They haven't said how many or where it's going to be. Uh, lately, there have been the vast majority of hiring has been on the coasts where they think that there is high risk and availability high risk uh, to go after those and um, the best return on the dollar in my opinion right now everybody is so short across the country because of retirements and not able to backfill that you could put revenue officers or revenue agents anywhere in the country and it would be very effective uh, money-wise just because there's such a shortage everywhere. So, of course, you know, everybody is pushing to get hiring. I can tell you, my fellow chapter presidents across the country are the same as me saying, hey, look, we don't have enough people to cover what needs to be done. We need to get hiring in our area. And I've had conversations up the line uh, at high levels with folks in the IRS about Indiana, and I get the, yes, we understand, and we're taking a look at it, and we'll do what we think is best type thing. But I'm definitely pushing to make sure that um, Indiana is being thought of for hiring. And I'm sure that there are other chapter presidents across the country doing the same thing.
0: Interesting. You mentioned that because going all the way back to the 1980s, I can remember being involved in, as a union official talking to management and in the nineties particularly. And, What I always heard was, yes, there will be hiring, but a place like Indiana, we're not growing enough in terms of our economy to be able to justify that hiring. So I guess the question I would ask you from what you're hearing and what you want as best you can uh, disseminate and go through what you know, will these hirings be made based upon the number of retirements in a certain area to backfill? Or will these positions be placed around the country where the service thinks they need the staff, even if a place like Indiana may be starved over time? I think that's the fear. What What do you think's going on?
1: Unfortunately, I believe it's going to be the latter. Um, I don't think it's going to be looking at backfill, even in areas. Because over the last several years when we've had retirements, they do backfills in an area. So Indiana, Indiana may not get a higher But if we're in the same area with Ohio, some parts of Ohio may get it, even though there wasn't a backfill there, just because that's where they determined that they have the biggest need. Now, I don't even think it's going to be backfill for areas. I think it's going to be basically where the service thinks that their greatest needs are. And if it's going to continue to starve places like Indiana of revenue agents and revenue officers, so be it.
0: Now, there's a legal term. That we throw around a lot, and we try to explain it every time we do. It's called evacuation notice. There's been an evacuation notice uh, in place at the Internal Revenue Service for some time. Uh, there was an announcement recently in recent days that that evacuation notice for the IRS has been extended indefinitely. Just, just tell us in practical terms what that means. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, the evacuation notice was due to expire uh, just about a month from now, September 26th. And that was making a lot of us, um, NTU and IRS management at different levels, a little bit nervous, saying, okay, what are we going to do now? Is this going to mean that everybody's going to be coming back? And so, of course, national NTU and IRS were having these conversations, as I'm sure IRS was having with Treasury. And basically the decision came down that we are going to um, extend it indefinitely, that they are not going to reissue any new notices um, at this time, but they're going to, you know say basically we're going to try and maintain the status quo. So if you're on telework, you'll remain on telework without, so far, without the two uh, day reporting during a pay period. And we're pushing that very hard to keep it that way. We, you know, if, you're on, uh, if you're coming into the office, for example, in a uh, TAC or a call site, you'll continue to do that. As of right now, if you are on weather and safety leave, self-certifying that you're high health risk, and you're not able to telework, then you will continue on that. And that, as you said, is going to be going on indefinitely
0: move to something else because dealing with a pandemic is hard enough. We've been dealing with that since late March. But there is a fear amongst some public health officials that not only will we be dealing with a pandemic in the fall, we'll be dealing with a flu outbreak in addition to that. So there's been a big urgency placed on, on, on people getting their flu shots. Um, some people uh, will have with their insurance plan with the government, uh, they shouldn't have to pay for a, a flu shot. That's not true with every plan, but a number of them, and there are some free flu shots out there. Uh, let's talk about this whole flu shot issue and how important that is.
1: Uh, it, you can't overemphasize how important it will be. Um, you know, I just had my yearly physical, uh, a week and a half or so ago, surprisingly, I'm still alive. I, I, you know, both my doctor and I were surprised at that decision. Um, but you know, we talked about that and I got a pneumonia shot and she's like, I just want you to be as safe as possible. When the flu shots come out, get it. It may not help with something like COVID, but it keeps your immunity up for, you know, whatever the strains that they're worried about this year are flu, so, to try and make sure that you're in the best health you can be to ward off something like, you know, unfortunately getting COVID 19 by mistake if you're not careful enough.
0: Okay. So, urgency is get a flu shot, find a way. And uh, I suppose they can always call you. There are all, all kinds of options out there, but uh, hopefully your health insurance already covers that. When I get my flu shot, uh, I'm you know, as a retiree covered by my federal uh, employee plan still in retirement, so I just go to the pharmacy, I'm never charged, and uh, just wait in line and and get my flu shots. I would certainly recommend it to to everyone in in this particular environment. Sweating to something else, sort of tied into something we've mentioned earlier. I mentioned the secretaries and some of the support staff needing to come in just to go through the mail and to issue letters, that sort of thing, get the, the official type of printing done uh, when employees do not have printers available at their home. There are some employees who are bugging the management saying, look, we just aren't able to function well at home. It's just the nature of this. It it doesn't uh, set with me well. I just can't get my work done the way I can at the office. I want to go back to the office voluntarily. At first, IRS management said, no, we're not going to take the risk. Where is that now?
1: Okay. Yeah. IRS was very adamant and depending upon the division and the area, they're still very resistant to employees coming into work. But at the highest levels, it's been discussed because this has been going on for a little while now, the discussions between IRS and NTEU. On the one hand, we want to make sure, and IRS does as well, that every employee is as safe as possible. But as you said, there are going to be certain employees who've got situations in their homes where teleworking, especially, you know, for several months as it's been already and for the foreseeable future just isn't a good viable option. So employees are saying, Hey, look, if I take the right precautions, if I make sure I'm socially distanced in my office, you know, if I, you know, make sure that I'm washing my hands frequently, can I go back into my office to work and The IRS has said that they are going to be uh, looking to approve these with the approval of the managers, and as long as there's adequate space. Um, And they are going to be contacting managers down the line to let them know that this is now going to be an option for employees.
0: Do you think that – how are managers going to react to this? I mean, um, I'm sure some managers are very – how should I put this? Uh, they're protective of their employees and they don't want them to get sick and may hesitate to let them come in. What I'm hearing you say is as long as there's enough distancing in the office, this should be approved. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, they basically they're saying that they should be considered. But what we're hearing and what I believe is difference between a manager and a leader, as I always go back to. A good leader wants to do what's right for his people. They're going to be... Um, looking at, he or she is going to be looking at what's the best thing to do, you know, and most of the time it's going to be, if possible, working from home. If it's not working from home, okay, how can we help our employee make sure that they can do the best job that they can do and that they want to do while still keeping them safe? So, you know, I don't think the vast majority of employees do want to come into an office. I think that there's just a small percentage that do, and if that's the case, As long as they're performing the proper protocols and are social distancing, they should be allowed to do so based on the discussions that I've heard about and what we've seen.
0: So if any employees have concerns either way on this, just uh, contact you, correct? Absolutely.
1: I'm more than happy to um, talk to them about it, talk to their management chain about it, and try and get it worked out for what's best for everybody concerned.
0: Well, there's always I always found this interesting when I was a, a union official, um, and it has to do with the physical space where we all work, and I think a lot of people don't understand, Duncan, that even when the IRS has space in, for instance, the Minton Part Federal Building, the service pays rent for that space. They pay GSA rent for the space. And what I found interesting when I dug into this many years ago, and you'll know more about this as it stands now, but at one time uh, GSA charged more to be in the Minton Part building for rent than uh, the IRS could get at a at a private uh, space. I found that interesting. Um,
1: yeah, it varies wildly, but, yeah, that's that's come up several times that it would be more expensive to be in a federal building than it would be in a, uh, privately leased space that uh, you would think would look uh, look nicer. GSA does what they can, but it is a government building, and it looks like a government building.
0: Well, and security has something to do with that in recent years. Uh, the, 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 you pay for the security that's in the building if you rent from the building. So, And that's, that's true of Minton Cape Art, which has a lot of security. Let me talk about one office that's of interest to people in central Indiana, That has to do with the Carmel office. Carmel's office does not have a taxpayer assistance center, never has, but it does have staff in their collection, exam, and some other people uh, working out of that space in Carmel. I believe the uh, lease goes through about two years from now. Tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think what I've been hearing from you, I've talked with you about this on several occasions, is that it, it, it Carmel is there, uh, but it's not going to be there forever. So explain where the Carmel space stands right now.
1: Yeah. The, right now, they're, the vast majority of space in the IRS, they're looking to stay where they're at. Basically, it was we're looking at rent reductions. We're looking at moving into cheaper space, things of that nature. For the vast majority of space, Right now, they're just saying we want to stay put where we're at. Carmel is one of those exceptions because a) it was in the pipeline, well in the pipeline already, and b) as you alluded to, it doesn't have attack. And so, because it's in the commuting area of Indianapolis, they can move the employees down to the mitton K Part Building with uh, very little um, construction needed. They're going to have to do some work on the uh, for criminal investigation, CI needs some extra space to absorb the uh, CI folks from Carmel into the Indianapolis space. And I just went around with uh, facilities yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, to discuss where that's going to be. And we're going to lose a couple of conference rooms, but we'll be able to accommodate them. Yeah, by June of 2022, Um, Those folks in Carmel will be moved down to the Minton Cape Art Federal Building unless something unforeseen that nobody can think of will happen. And it could be a few months before then, depending upon how soon construction is done uh, with the CI folks and get get them ready for a move. So once that is done and finished, they'll be ready to move folks from Carmel to uh, downtown Indy. Of
0: course, the first... uh question those people at Carmel are going to ask you who are relocated uh, to downtown Indianapolis and do have to come into the office they're going to say what can you do about the cost of parking And the answer is
1: absolutely freaking nothing as much as we wish we could Um, that's one of those things and I've already sent out information to the uh, Carmel folks alerting them to that the On the plus side, the vast majority of the folks are already teleworking, so they don't only need parking for two days per pay period. But between arbitrators and uh, Federal Services impasse Panel, who has the final say in things, we have not been able to get employee paid parking as part of a condition of employment for many, many years. We try, but we can't get it. No. Um, so there's no way to say, okay, these folks are moving, they have free parking now, we want them to continue to have free parking. I tried that. Trust me, I tried that. And it was just a whipping a dead horse. They just knew that they weren't going to be able to do that. I tried it when the Greenwood folks moved from their post of duty down to uh, Indianapolis. Unfortunately, we just don't have any way to force IRS management, or GSA for that matter, to do that. So they are going to have to be on their own for parking.
0: Yeah, and unless things um, change market-wise the next couple of years, I just walked around downtown uh, near the mitton K Park building the other day. Looked to me like parking fees have not gone down. They've gone up pretty substantially, even though hardly anybody seems to be working downtown.
1: Yeah, they were just, uh, around the start of the uh, year of, this year, beginning of the year, they really started jacking the parking up because there were fewer and fewer lots, especially around here, because they're taking two building on those lots. And so now what's going to be happening with the pandemic? And are, is everybody going to be coming back to their offices downtown? Or is there going to be some sort of permanent telework where, you know, these people may have office space, but they hardly come in it? Will that do anything to change what the rate and availability of parking is, especially around the Minton K Park building. We just don't know yet.
0: So that's two years away, and markets can change up or down, so we don't know, but people need to be prepared for that. Another office in the state of Indiana, uh, under the jurisdiction of NTEU, is uh, uh, for Chapter 49, is the Fort Wayne office. They've had some roof leak problems. Where does that stand?
1: Yeah, there were a lot of roof leaks in the, uh, in the Fort Wayne office. It's, uh, it's in an interesting building, uh, very large building. Um, and we were concerned, frankly, we were concerned about mold. Once we discovered the extent of the leaks and just heard the good news is, is because the way that the, uh, the HVAC system, the air conditioning and heating system is, is that because it's, because it's not put together that well, there was a lot of air escaping in the ceiling, so there was no room for mold to grow. Because if there were leaks, it dried up pretty quick because of the excess air coming out, which shouldn't be happening in a proper system. Um, which is the strangest thing I've ever heard on an explanation on a HVAC system, but it actually worked to our
0: favor. That's a good, good news. news that, that is a good news bad news situation for sure.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but the good news is is they're going to work on the HVAC uh, system, so that kind of condition is corrected. They are, instead of patching the freaking roof, they're putting on a new roof, so we should not have that type of issue. And they're going to go ahead and extend that lease there in Fort Wayne with those conditions. So it should take care of the problem issues there.
0: It looks like all other offices are uh, solidly in place. Uh, There is one thing you want to say about South Bend, though.
1: Yeah, basically what they're looking at at South Bend is it doesn't have what's called a model tack. And as you know, a model tack is something they came up with a few years ago saying, okay, we want them to have this type of desk, the uh, taxpayers on the other side to have this. And all the offices across the country are sort of a hodgepodge. And South Bend's is really different than what they want the, what they call the TAC model to be. So they're looking at um, doing some renovation there in the TAC in South Bend to possibly expand it and make it into a model TAC because they're planning, supposedly they're planning some hiring there in South Bend, Um for that because right now they have no tech employees and they're saying they could have anywhere from three to five. I will believe that when I see it but that's their plan that they're looking at.
0: okay so, so, so they haven't backfilled the people who have left that's the situation there
1: yeah right. yeah exactly so there's the good news is is there's plenty of space in South Bend so even with renovations uh, there should not be an issue with uh, with employees. And the one thing I do want to mention too is when people say, well, you know, I'd like to move into new space, you know, that sort of thing. One of the the two dangers is one is we've discussed with Carmel is parking's not a guarantee depending upon where you're at. The second one is, is any move that they're making now, they're looking at field employees that are teleworking uh, the majority of their time. They're doing a three to one death share. So if there's a move, there is absolutely no guarantee that you'll get your own desk. So that's why it's a good thing that the vast majority of our pivots and duties are staying put where they are. So we don't have to deal with that.
0: Yeah, that's been coming for a long time. So we've sort of been able to put that off, as you said, with the situations that we have. So all the other offices should not be uh, seeing any major changes. And if there are, we'll let you know. One last item here. And I just want to, throw this out that if you work at the Indianapolis call center we do expect a fairly important announcement to come out it should be good news if it comes out the way we think it will uh, so watch our uh, watch uh, emails from Duncan if you're internal we'll put this information on our Facebook page as well and uh, hopefully by next time we talk we can talk more detail about that any, any last uh, comments Duncan before we wrap this up
1: uh, no, just the usual. I want uh, everybody to stay safe. Treat your fellow man or woman, you know, correctly and politely. Doesn't matter what shade their skin is. Everybody should be treated equally. And wear a mask and please social distance because we don't want to lose any of you.
0: This is the Chapter Forty Nine podcast. You just heard uh, Duncan Johns, president of After Chapter Forty Nine. Uh, representing IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'm Larry Lannan. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.